Hello and welcome. Elizabeth Lockwood here. I'm your host for Mile Long Trace, where we unpack the process of practicing commercial interior design. This podcast is a catalyst to elevate you as a commercial interior designer, to make you resilient and successful at your career by unpacking the facets of the design process, elevating your professional practice through organizational dynamics tips, celebrating emerged practitioners through a series of candid interviews so that you can hear how they navigated their career path, and lastly, creating a Q&A platform to build quality professional resources. In the end, I want you to feel supported in your role as a commercial interior designer so that you can be successful in your career. As passionate designers, we want to elevate the commercial interior design industry by providing credible resources to support emerging practitioners. In order to keep this content accessible, Mylong Trace is seeking industry partners and sponsors to grow this platform. Industry sponsors and partners that are passionate about supporting, influencing, and advancing commercial interior design. Mylong Trace is offering annual and a la carte sponsorship. More information and to contact us, go to MileLongTrace.com. Generous sponsorship dollars support the future of commercial interior design by building a stronger community, knowledge base, and attrition at firms and an industry at large. All right, so welcome to episode 25 of Mile Long Trace. Today, we're going to take a look at a service-based mindset and what that means for the design industry. So really thinking about like how we approach clients, how we work with clients, and um, just kind of breaking that down today. You know, really, I feel like for me, it wasn't emphasized enough in school, the importance of how our industry is reliant on clients, right? So today, we're going to break that down. We're really going to look at, we're going to look at what does the service-based industry mean? Why have good customer service? And how to apply a client-centric approach to your practice? This week, I've been pondering the balance of customer service and honestly thinking a lot about when a design team draws the line. I'm reminded of a conversation I had with a past guest during this year-long pandemic. Many systemic issues in our country have been brought to the surface this year, one being racial justice, another being political party affiliation and allegiance. We have continued to divide ourselves as a nation to the point that it's coming up when we work with clients and making it ethically challenging to determine when we draw the line with them. When do we fire clients? When do we say enough is enough? Bottom line is we're a service-based industry, right? We must have clients. We must sell our goods, right? We must somehow bring in profit, and how we do that is through design services we provide, right? Commonly in the industry, that can show up as hourly rates with a not-to-exceed fixed fee, percentage of construction costs. The best practice is that you perform the scope of services under a signed legal contract. If you look closely, those contracts should have a clause stipulation that states the client or design team may terminate that contract based off of X, Y, and Z. Blah-de-blah, right? So each firm operates this a little bit different. 
But the point I'm trying to make is that we go into a legal relationship with our clients, similar to a marriage. But what I find interesting is the difference is you have not had time to date first. You haven't had time to test the waters. And just like a marriage, I'd like to believe that most do not go into a marriage thinking they have to get a divorce. So as designers, we enter into these relationships with our clients. Ideally, they're really dynamic relationships where you complement each other well, you can springboard off of each other, put out ideas, there's a really good rapport and respect for each other, and you can really build that project together. Sometimes that's not the case, though. So as designers, we enter into these relationships, and with our clients, oftentimes we feel we have not had time to either A, date them first, or B, We want need the work, so we take on the work anyways. So you'll probably hear me contradicting myself as I'm trying to unpack this idea of a service-based mindset and what it means. And really, in this episode, I'm probably not going to have a clear direction or advice. I'm just going to bring up a lot of things to ponder and consider and see what you can resonate with. So I'll say, in a robust design community, you'll find people talk and clients' reputations can sometimes travel with them. I've seen design firms steer a wide circle around certain clients because of their reputation. For example, there was a client that I'd previously worked at at one firm in our office, and he was in our office at a meeting with one of the partners. After he left, I made a comment about seeing him in the office and how I'd worked with him in the past. To my astonishment, my boss turned to me and said, that's the last time you'll see him in here. So there we were seeing a partner making a decision on how they were going to approach their client services based off of ethical knowledge that they had. This was also coming from a firm that was extremely customer service oriented. We were coached on numerous occasions on how the client is right. We always put the clients first, and so on. I probably needed to hear that, especially when I was younger. But it also made me wonder, what was being sacrificed from the caliber designed by always agreeing with the clients? I've always kind of wondered that. So my first point I would like to bring forward is how does good customer service really work in our profession? Does having good customer service mean the client's always right? Or does having good customer service mean you're doing what's best for the project? Hmm. Honestly, I don't have the answer here, and I think either case could be argued, because on one hand, a happy client's a good thing, right? If client needs are met, that's a really good thing. On the other side, is always appeasing the client going to make the best design? Because let's face it, it's not always rainbows and unicorns with clients. There are going to be moments where you'll not see eye to eye on everything. And what a client's hiring us to do is to give our professional opinion and to be looking out for them and to be guarding them and helping them see all the pros and the cons in an approach. So you'll see I'm going to offer a spectrum here for you to ponder and you can decide where on that line, the middle, the end, feels kind of right for you. Some designers take the approach, it's my way or the highway, and that works for them. They might be insanely talented They might have a string of really good connections or luck, and that approach has allowed them to have a successful career. My perspective is this is a challenging way to approach the profession, but works for some. 
Some designers take the opposite direction and bend over backwards to appease the clients, sometimes not holding their ground on what's best for the project in order to appease them. This makes me wonder, does good work come out always agreeing or settling things quickly? I'm a strong believer in ideation and collaboration. I love that iterative process and think that we can really learn a lot as we continue to dig into projects, play devil's advocate, and question things, right? So if we're quickly agreeing with clients, are we doing what's best for the project? One example that comes to mind is where we were under contract with a client but had not kicked off the programming phase. The client requested a plan to take a stab at a portion of the space plan. Our team was under the impression they were going to use it to hash out some equipment proportions to help with the programming. A few days later, we received a full-blown floor plan back from the client. Our initial team took one look at the plan and saw code compliance challenges, un- uneven distribution of space, and didn't feel like we'd gone through that proper process that we're used to, where we really understand the client's programs, we go through bubble, we go through block, we really work with them to kind of build the elements and tease out a couple iterations. So the client's approach was, this is done, let's head to construction documents. Our approach that we saw was, this is a great foundation, this tells me what you need, now it's time to ideate on it. In the initial project kickoff meeting with the clients, we delicately asked the client if we could take a stab at making the plan better. In our minds, what we were thinking is we're serving our clients by looking out for them. Not only will the current plan not make it through the permit process, which will cause a delay in project schedules, but it also could be a liability and may not be a successful space if the proportions and flow isn't right. We put our heads together and began to brainstorm. What do we do? So what I'd like to do is take a pause for a second and go through nine tips for basic customer service. So some things that we don't always think about, right, is that we're a service-based industry, and yet many of us are probably not trained on the basics of business 101, what is customer service. So here we're going to break that down for you. Number one, know your product or service. To provide customer service, you need to know what you're selling inside and out. Okay, so a lot of us know what we're selling, right? We're selling design services. We're not just selling a rendering. We're not just selling a path to a permit, right, or a set of construction documents. A lot of times we're selling that design thinking and that process that we take clients through of helping them tease out all the different facets of a good design. Number two is being friendly, right? That's probably good business practice in general to be friendly, polite to your clients, right? Number three is say thank you. So some of these are pretty low level here. Gratitude is memorable. It helps remind customers of why they selected you. So good thing to always be courteous, right? Be friendly, be courteous. Okay, we're going to start layering it in here now. Number four, train your staff. So raise your hand behind the scenes here, you guys, if you've ever had customer service training at your firm. In my experience, that's been far and few between, and oftentimes was an in-hindsight comment in a yearly review or a project download that we would speak about how the firm would like to present themselves to clients. I feel like it's been rare that that's been a regular training, and um, hopefully some of you guys are experiencing that more than maybe I have. 
Number five, show respect. Customer service involves emotions, right? And it can get very emotional in projects with clients when people become very passionate about being designed. So it's important to make sure you and others are courteous and respectful. Here it goes into saying, never, never let your emotions overtake your desire to see your customer walk away happy. So I think this is where we have to use strategy to look at how we can be respectful to our clients. We can show them we hear them, that we understand them. We can also say things such as to play devil's advocate or to say, I understand what you're saying. I also think we should consider this. Let's pause for a second. Let's consider X, Y, and Z just to play devil's advocate, to see the other side of the fence for a second. So I've had success with clients where if you tell them you're listening to them, you repeat back to them what you're hearing them say so that they know you're listening and that you have, you've gained their trust and that you have their best interest at hand, right, is you can sometimes get clients to lean into you and look at the other side of the fence, try new things. And I've had clients even say at the end of a presentation, wow, I thought at the beginning, there was no way we would want to be that progressive with our office design. But after you walked us through the pros cons, and talked about the whole spectrum, we really see the benefits of going to a more aggressive open office design. So the next one is after show respect, number six is listen, one of the simplest secrets. It means hearing what you're saying by watching, not just listening, right? So this is one that can be really challenging over Zoom calls or when we're not um, visually able to see people's expressions or reactions. I had a client recently in an interview that was very expressive, and if I'd say something that didn't resonate with her, she would kind of give me, you know, a look, and that allowed me to be able to then lean in and say, you know, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? Why, you know, let's, let's discuss that. Let's understand that and help to bring that conversation kind of forward. Um, without being able to see her, I wouldn't have known that she maybe had some hesitations or some curiosity about a comment I was making. Number seven is to be responsive. So this is seeking help guidance to resolve issues. It's important to respond to issues timely And even if you're responding, such as in an email, to say, thank you, I've heard from you, I've received this, I'm looking into it, so your client doesn't feel ignored. That can also be in what I was saying about paraphrasing back to clients during meetings. If you're hearing them say something to you, lean into that and ask them, you know, or mention, I understand that, we'd like to come back to that question Let's get through these pieces first, and then we'll make sure and address that. Okay, number eight, ask for feedback. Clients can provide a lot of insight into how your process is coming off to them when you invite their feedback, right? So this isn't just feedback on the design. This is feedback about how the proposal process went, how the design iteration charrettes went, how the end of construction documents and the communication between the team went. You know, definitely doing the post-occupancy evaluations, but also going through and saying, how did our team do? What can we do to do better and have stronger client services and relationships next time? Okay, and then number 10, the last one is excellent customer service comes down to constantly checking in. 
Um, so that's where somebody that might be tasked as a project manager in your team is going to be constantly just, hey, how you doing? Here we are. This is an update with the design. Maybe it's um, on a weekly or every other week basis, just saying this is how we're progressing, giving them a hand and behind the scenes insight into what we're doing. So you're not just saving you know, everything for these aha presentations, but you're taking them through the process and guiding them along the way and helping them see that. Okay, so that was so that was 10 tips for excellent customer service. So where does this leave us when we've entered into a binding contract and there's something in you that sends up maybe a warning sign that maybe the client isn't on the same wavelength as you with the design process, isn't interested in the type of or level of design services that your firm is used to providing, is using you kind of as a conduit to quickly get to construction documents or a permit set, maybe isn't valuing and wanting to slow down in the design process, Um, maybe doesn't ethically or it could be politically, spiritually kind of align with you or your firm's kind of approach and practices. So what do we do when we see warning signs come up? Warning signs could be the client may not be respectful to the members of the design team, may be abusive of their power and how they kind of approach the team, may expect things of you that feels above and beyond the reasonable professional expectations, may not respect or even understand the services your firm provides. For example, if you pride yourself on quality design work that usually comes at a higher design fee and can take more time than one who approaches it as a straight drafting exercise to get through permit and problem solving. So you're beginning to see a relationship with the clients going south. So what do you do? Do you fire the client? Well, I'm not in a place to tell you to fire a client, and I definitely do not look forward to having to do that. At any point, I'd like to say that my strategy is to try to understand how to work with them and to help turn them really delicately guiding them and encouraging them through a series of conversations by foremost finding out what are they really passionate about? What do they really care about? Is it about a short, quick design time to get to construction drawings? Is it about a certain facet of design that really gets them excited? Whatever it is, try to glom on and use their words to bring that back to them to help them see the importance and value in the project and design. So for myself, I like to take a hard look at what my options are. What can I do to help bring clients around to seeing the value in the services we offer? Can I build a stronger relationship with them so there's more trust established in the process? Can I say or do something to help them see that we have their best interest at hand? The final and last resort I'd say is breaking that contract. And I'd make sure to always double check what's legally binding in your contracts before you go that route and also check in with the rest of your design team to make sure you've exhausted all your resources. Um, Another thing I'd say, I'd always sleep on it so you have time to reflect and clear your head on how to approach it. I would then play out a few scenarios to see what is the lesser evil. One question I sometimes ask myself is what happens if I agree with the client? Where does that put us, right? What will be at stake? Is it the firm's reputation? 
for not doing good design work? Is the firm's reputation for not being a team player? Is it the firm um, taking on any legal issues by not doing work properly, right? Is really like break down what are the things that might be at stake if you agree with the client. Um, I had had everything from a client asking to waive some of the slip resistance requirements and putting polished marble floors in, and we actually had them sign a letter. It was our firm decided to have the approach that they would write a letter saying we're waiving the firm of any liability if anyone slips on things. So there's things you can do to kind of work with your team and your lawyers to understand some of those ramifications if you can't convince a client to do what you know is right in our practice. Hands down, I like to ask myself, what is the ethical thing to do? And what's not going to have any legal ramifications? So if the client's asking me to do something that does not meet code, so sometimes seeing the client want to rush the design process could lead to construction administration challenges along the way, could lead to additional costs or delay in project schedules, things like that. And so those are the things that we want to, we should be looking out for our clients and helping advise them on and offering those as professional opinions. So as one becomes more experienced in their practice, unfortunately, for many odd client relationships, you begin to see those kind of coming and you can start to head those off a little bit sooner. You, from past experiences, can start to see that maybe there's a trait that is coming forward or a response or approach from a client that just you had some bad experiences with in the past. And for you, those are ones that you're going to start to work to head off so that it doesn't become a train wreck and you lose out in the end by having to eat fees or having schedule challenges or things like that. So my final tip for you today is to trust your gut, your instinct. And if something doesn't feel right at the beginning phase of a design with a client, if it's the way they're treating the design team, the process, kind of approach, that's something I think to lean into, to listen to, listen to your intuition and gut and see how you can start to turn things around by using your customer service skills. Alrighty, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you want more, please spread the love and subscribe to this podcast. You can find supporting information in the show notes for this episode on milelongtrace.com. If you're itching to have a question answered about the interior design profession, visit our website to contact me. Don't forget to follow MyLongTrace on Instagram to stay in the know. Hey, share this with your friends to grow this platform so that we can continue to provide you kick-ass information that is relevant to you and your profession. Till next time, keep designing, y'all.